are back. Woo! <laughs> oh, come on, Matt. That was exciting. Um, we are back. I'm excited. You can tell that we haven't done this in a while based on our disposition, if that's the word. Um, Matt, before we dive in to Malachi, um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Highlight of your August away. Oh, mate, that's uh, that's a nice question. Not an easy one to answer. Um, just so many nice things, I assume. Yeah, because we 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 were we had a lovely August. We the caravan, and then did Centre Parks, and then uh, we did London and Harry Potter Studios. Uh, we we loved all of it. I think probably if you're asking us as a family, we'd we'd all say that we all agreed the Harry Potter thing was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yeah, Tom and Sophia seem pretty buzzing that you just randomly squat down in public these days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, since the slip disc, um, I'm the pain's a lot better. But I, I uh, as I've been telling people, I can't walk far without the need for a rest. So in museums, Harry Potter and London, that occasionally meant just literally just stopping and squatting down on my haunches, which looked really weird and probably did embarrass the kids a bit. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so guys, if you see me doing that, that's why there's nothing weird going on. It's just I'm needing to take the the pressure, nothing the weird. pressure off the leg in the back. Uh, you can tell how much sympathy i'm getting from dave over all this stuff yeah yeah well matt thanks for asking my highlight of august was (laughs) um (laughs) was um in a funny way the first sermon i did while you were away i uh i said okay so there's gonna be six points and since everyone's face is masked you just see the horror in people's (laughs) eyes when they're like Oh, great. It's like, good to do. they got to keep them on their toes. Oh, great. Matt's away, and all of a sudden, Dave's gone power mad and doubled the length 55 of the sermon. Minutes, yeah, so that was quite a... That was my highlight, just seeing people's sheer fear. How long get, was that, that sermon? It was only 25 minutes. Oh, it go. was very snappy and short, Fair but it's, just whenever you see people's horror in their eyes, it's just very funny <laughs> as a preacher. By the way, dear listeners, Dave was just saying to me at the start that we should make sure this podcast isn't too long, uh, and We've done two minutes of waffle. He's all over the shop. Right, okay. Thanks for that. Um, (laughs) So straight into it. Um, You said about Malachi on Sunday that he... That that wasn't a smooth transition at all, but who cares? Um, You said that Malachi probably ministered around the time Hmm. of Nehemiah. Are we not sure, or why do you mean? Why do you say probably? Uh, but yeah, because we're not sure. So, with a lot of Bible books, Old Testament books, there are, there are markers there telling you who was on the throne at the time, or mm. linking with another book or another prophet. You don't actually get that with Malachi. We're so, straight in, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So, Ezra, Nehemiah, um, Haggai, Zechariah don't mention Malachi, and vice versa. Um, but the as, as, as far as we can tell from all the internal evidence, it was around the time of um, Ezra and Nehemiah, sometime after the return from exile. Um, some people think he was before Ezra and Nehemiah, some people think during, some people think a bit after, but it was around about that time. So the fact that he's addressing some of the same issues, for example, like uh, intermarriage with pagans, Gentiles in the area, um, and the general content indicates that it is around that time but no we just don't know for sure i mean the other thing he does he refers to the governor in um chapter one verse eight mm-hmm. and that's almost certainly a persian governor which again would indicate this around that time but it's all very general stuff and we can't be sure of the exact dates dates sorry yeah it doesn't affect the message of malachi no. that much no. which is the nice thing as um, long as you know that's the basic context then yeah. then it will make sense i know because like you could be in some sermons where they spend like 15 minutes talking about when it could have been and you're like 
so the summary is <laughs> why does this matter yeah um <laughs> yeah but i suppose so in in light of that sort of context setting let's keep going with like how do you picture this book like taking place the actual mm-hmm. interactions you know was malachi standing there and did he say like come on let's <laughs> let's have it and they were like how has god loved us and then he spoke to them yeah under like what did it look like was it a q a yeah you could you could read it that way can you and i realized what i said sunday i said you know it's a it's a sort of six disputes between god and the people i mean it could have happened that way that god is speaking to malachi he's talking to the people the people are talking back yeah. but actually i think as you read it through what you start to realize is um that it's it's framed as a sort of a dispute, but it's it's a dispute because Malachi, with the Holy Spirit's help, is kind of reading the people's hearts and he knows okay. what they're going to say. So I think to answer that question, you've got to start with the fact that this is a word from God. Yeah. Um, and it seems that the most likely scenario is that the Holy Spirit inspired Malachi to write this prophecy down based on what God had showed him about the people's hearts, as I said. Um, I mean, possibly there's also some interaction between Malachi and the people going on as he's writing this. Yeah, I'm not saying that we're prophets but like sometimes in a, in a sermon like you know how people generally yeah. are you know the vibe of the congregation and you yeah. can speak into it so I suppose if malachi's amongst his peers he's probably heard them say yeah some of these things before hasn't he and the other thing with, with the old testament prophets i mean and, and with the apostles that there, there would have been stuff they would have said to the people that isn't recorded in scripture it was still a word from the lord but the word from the lord that's recorded for us in malachi it seems like it's structured as a dispute between God and the people, because God knows their hearts, not that these conversations were necessarily literally happening yeah. on like one occasion. Um, so this is how God is giving the prophecy to Malachi as a dialogue, which gives an insight into the people's hearts. And also, of course, importantly, an insight into the heart of God as well. God wants them to know what his heart is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard before that the prophets are often like covenant lawyers. So mm-hmm. they're always sort of calling the people back to remember the covenant that God's yeah. made with them, which is sort of similar to the d- dispute yeah. language you use well, there. One of the commentators I was reading last week was saying that, that the other way of looking at this is a dispute between God and the people, um, but it's also God sort of bringing a covenant lawsuit against Israel and saying you haven't kept the terms of the covenant. But that's why I find it amazing. It's kind of this dispute covenant lawsuit, but God starts it by saying, I've loved you. And that's, yeah. that's wonderful, Sincere. isn't it? I use the word lawyer there, which is an American term. So for our random American listeners that we've never met. Lawyer and lawsuit. Yeah, we yeah. use both those. Yeah, we've thrown that out for you. Um, we know that this is the the last word before the, you know, 400 years of si- you know silence in yeah. air quotations. Um, how does this help us understand the context of Jesus Day? Like whenever we read the Gospels. How does it help us understand the Pharisees and some of yeah. why, you know, Jesus was seemingly rocking the boat so much? Mm. Well, I think it shows us that the the people of Nehemiah's day, um, Ezra's day, Malachi's day were, were waiting for and wanting something more. And God confirms to them in this last Old Testament prophecy that they hadn't seen all God's promises fulfilled yet, that, you know, the, the day of the Lord was yet to come. Uh, it also shows that the law of Moses was still central to God's purposes at this time for Israel um, because the law of Moses prepared for and pointed to the coming of Jesus um, amongst other things. That was one, that was the the most important thing it did. And we're going to see this next Sunday, God willing, when we look at the sacrificial system, how that pointed forward to Jesus. Um, What so many people of Jesus day, like the Pharisees failed to see was that the temporary nature of the law of Moses as a whole 
and how the law of Moses was pointing to and preparing for something, someone greater. Um, they, of course, they also failed to see, by and large, that John the Baptist was the one described as preparing the way for the Messiah. When you look in Malachi 3 and 4, you see John the Baptist there. Uh, they failed to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy in Malachi 3, that the Lord himself would come to his temple. More on that in a few weeks' time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a long-winded way of saying that the, the Jews had heard the message of Malachi, that there was more to come. And that's kind of what this silence of 400 years is saying to us, isn't it? Right. Yes, you've seen God do some wonderful things, but there are greater things to come. Just wait. So they'd, they'd seen that there was more to come, but many of them were waiting for the wrong sorts of fulfillments of these pointers and these prophecies. Uh, exceptions to that would be people like Simeon and Anna who mm-hmm. met Jesus in the temple and they, they knew, they understood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think you shouted out the podcast three times on, on Sunday in the <laughs> yeah, sermon. Yeah, I may have done that slightly uh, on Sunday. <laughs> you, you made sure... I noted down this quote that Malachi is the Old Testament in miniature. Mm. But whenever I hear that, I think, you know, there's no there's no creation, there's mm. no exodus or anything like that in Malachi. So how is it the Old Testament in miniature? Fair question. Was yeah, that just I, I, asked, being, I kind of asked for that, didn't I? You were like I being literally clever. Yeah, you were being clever. <laughs> so explain well, to us. Dave, you're right, of course, that we don't see every sorry about the trains by the way people this good morning this morning so we've got the window open and there's tons of them going past um you're right to say that we don't see every single aspect of the old testament in malachi but we do see a lot of things that we've seen all the way through the old testament kind of crystallized in in malachi so you see the nature of god himself um he in malachi he's the lord almighty the lord of hosts who does not change um you see the choosing of jacob israel and the promises made to Israel. You see the law of Moses referred to um, in lots of ways. For example, you know, ch- chapter 4, verse 4. Um, you, the, and the giving of the law of Moses, of course, is recorded in Exodus. You kind of see in bits of Exodus, yeah. Leviticus repeated in a way. Um, you see the command to tithe being talked about. That's, that's an aspect of the law of Moses. You see the, the role of the priests, the place of the sacrifices. You see what Old Testament worship is meant to look like. You see the outworking of the Ten Commandments, um, the command to love your neighbor as yourself. You're seeing in Malachi what it means to do justice and show mercy. So, yeah, a lot of this is about the law of Moses. But these are themes you see stretched throughout the Old Testament. Uh, You could put it another way and say that in Malachi, you see what a covenant relationship with God looks like between him and his people. And that covenant, of course, is a major theme of the Old Testament, running right from um, Abraham or arguably before yeah um or definitely before yeah didn't prepare that a bit well yeah as you go before abraham you've got noah you've arguably got a covenant with adam and eve so covenant is a major old testament theme that you see very clearly in malachi so many of the major themes of the old testament law and the prophets come through malachi but yes you're quite right doesn't it's not the old testament miniature in the sense that you see every aspect of the old testament coming through so in malachi you know after we've just gotten that you know lightning past her of the old <laughs> testament there you talk well you mentioned about how the lord almighty mm. comes up 14 times in this book and that's the lord almighty we see in the whole of the old testament well what's the significance of that name like why is it mm. you know anytime something comes up 14 times you're like okay that must yeah. be important why is it important well uh i i love this as one of the titles of god it's interesting when you read books um 
and articles on the titles of God, the names of God. It's hard to find an awful lot on this one, which really? is interesting. I'm not sure why. But the Lord Almighty, or more literally in the SV, um, the Lord of hosts, it it speaks obviously of the fact that God is sovereignly powerful over everything. So we saw that on Sunday, that he's mm. he is sovereign. He chooses Jacob. He chooses Israel. And we thought about the fact how he ultimately is him who... Uh, loves and chooses before the foundation of the world those who will come to faith in him that god is sovereign in everything and that's one of the things that name the lord almighty the lord of hosts tells us i mean the other way it tells us that is that lord of hosts um so scholars debate whether that means that whether the host there is the angelic host or the host of heaven as in the stars I know. I, I think it's probably both. Makes you think of Revelation, doesn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it's just a wonderful name, isn't it? Because it should look. This is the God who created the angelic host, created the, the stars and the galaxies. This God is incomprehensibly great and mighty. And amazingly, this God starts by saying to Stroppy Israel, "I have loved you." So there's a lot packed into that name. But hopefully, we'll see more about that name as we're we're going through the prophecy of Malachi. It's suppose that. He's the Lord Almighty who became a baby and hung on a yeah, cross, which yeah. is just also, mm. yeah, I suppose it gives real depth to your Old Testament when you read it. Um, yeah. So to transition into that, you talk about how we're going to see a lot of Jesus in Malachi, mm. despite the fact he's never going to be mentioned. But how yeah. can you give us a, you know, a preview? How is true worship, sacrifice, marriage, justice, joy? Those are all the titles yeah. of the sermons. Oh, is it, how is Malachi all about Jesus? Well, for a start, there's a pretty specific prophecy about uh, Jesus coming up um, when you get to uh, Malachi chapter uh, 3 um, about the, the messenger of the covenant. So that you've got something there about John the Baptist as the messenger preparing the way, but also the messenger of the covenant. Yeah. Um, the Lord himself coming to his temple. So, I mean, I agree with you. Jesus isn't mentioned by name, but Jesus is definitely mentioned in Malachi. He's definitely there as a, as a straightforward, direct prophecy of his coming. It's like God is saying, you want me to come to my temple in all my glory? I'm going to come, but not in the way you expect. You know, I'm going to come incarnate as the, the carpenter from Nazareth, but that's going to be God coming to his temple. So there's a direct, there are direct prophecies Um and that's true of the whole Old Testament, of course. Lots of direct prophecies of the coming of the Messiah and what he would do, like in Isaiah 52, 53. It's funny to think that, like, on the Emmaus Road, Jesus was like, you know, he shows that all scripture points to him and it, he gets to Malachi with those two lads. And he's like, this is about me as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Literally, it's just every Old Testament. Movie, he's like, oh, by the way, this is all about me. This yeah. is all about, like, it's just ridiculous. And that's the big idea, isn't it? And that's the, the, the big point, really, that, the the whole bible including the old testament is all about jesus in some way even if we don't see his name or a particular prophecy it's all about him in some way because if it's not directly prophesying the coming of jesus it's picturing him say that the sacrificial system yeah. uh, the priests pointing forward to jesus or even if it doesn't show that it shows the need for jesus because all the way mm. through the old testament we're seeing aren't we the hardness of human hearts um the inability of sinful human beings to truly keep the law the inability of Israel to keep the law of Moses. It's all showing that they need someone yeah. who is going to keep that law and who's going to rescue them from their sin. And mm. I think we'll see that even as he, that each section of Malachi speaks to us about the Christian life, um, as it speaks to us about what it means to worship and do justice and be married, 
we're we're going to see those practical outworkings of being the people of God, but we're also going to see how each of those things points us to Jesus. Mm. So, for example, we can only ultimately and truly worship God truly by coming to Him through His Son, um, who's the one who shows us what perfect joy in God and perfect obedience looks like. Uh, when we think of what it means to do justice, we look to the justice of God in the Old Testament as our pattern. But of course, the justice of God was shown most clearly and perfectly at the cross as Jesus bore the righteous wrath of God against our sin. Um, when we hear what Malachi and the rest of the Bible says about marriage, and I think you're going to be preaching on that in a couple of Sundays, Dave. We remember that marriage isn't only a wonderful covenant of companionship, but has an even more important purpose to picture Christ's relationship with the church because Jesus is the perfect bridegroom. So, all of this is to say that when we read the Old Testament with New Testament lenses, we realize that it's ultimately all about what God will do and has done in Jesus, and that, that transforms how we read the Old Testament. It's really as well, like, whenever we say, oh, the Old Testament is all about Jesus, like, if anyone, you know, talks about anything and says, oh, well, that's all about me, that's all, like, that sounds really <laughs> self-centered and miserable, doesn't it? Like, yeah. they're not going to be much fun to be around if everything's about them, hmm. but in Piper's book, Providence, which Tom Kelly gave to me because he had a spare one. So shout, nice. out, shout out Tom. Um, he really helpfully says like, you know, that's not egotistical of God because actually mm. whenever it's about Jesus, it's for, it's for our good and joy. Yeah. Like actually it's completely opposite to whenever human beings make things about themselves because actually yeah. when God makes it about himself, it gives us true joy. Because, yeah, when you're talking about a perfectly glorious being, it's it's not wrong for them to glorify. Yeah. Also, we're going to go off track here if we're not careful, but, of course, it also you, helps You've us. got 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah, it helps, it helps us remember that, that God is Trinity. So the other aspect of it is it's not – it is God glorifying himself, but yeah. another way of looking at it is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit glorifying each other Father. within the Trinity. So Matt, imagine if, well, on a sun, imagine if on Sunday someone just said, Matt, you got 30 seconds. Condense it. <laughs> like, you know, please, all, please don't do that. Please don't do that to me. Um, okay. You had another uh, very tweetable uh, sentence about we need to guard our hearts against circumstance-induced cynicism. Circumstance-induced cynicism. Good grief. Um, so what does that look like for us in the midst of uh, emerging COVID church? Hmm. <laughs> COVID, yeah. what a phrase yeah. Well, yeah, you, you might want to come back to me on my answer to this one because I was thinking about this um, when you gave me the heads up on this one it's interesting isn't it that, that COVID is the first thing that often springs to mind for us these days when we think of hard circumstances because it's it's been a real trial for the vast majority of people but for, for me I think it's, it's circumstances that affect me in particular or my group in particular they're the things that tempt me to cynicism they're, they're the things that cause me to doubt so if an individual Christian is extremely ill, they can be tempted to think, am I really one of yours, Lord? Do you really love me? Um, especially when they're seeing other people who aren't Christians maybe prospering and their life is easy. They're wondering, well, what's this about? Or or if you're part of a persecuted church in a particular country, maybe Afghanistan today, um, I can imagine that doubts can very easily spring to mind. Am I really God's? Does he really care? And it's is when we're able to see and believe the bigger picture of God choosing us before the foundation of the world, bringing us into covenant with him and 
and when we see all that he's going to go do for us in the future then it's i think that we hear god saying i have loved you and that reassures us so when it's when it's about things that are affecting me particularly mm. rather than things that are affecting the whole world although covid's been so hard but you yeah. might maybe you've seen it from a different angle want to push back on that no no like i'm much more sinful than you in that um whenever you like step on a bit of lego or stub your toe i'm like lord do you not love me like <laughs> like it's not even you know those big massive things it's like sometimes the yeah. most trivial day-to-day things i'm like lord i thought you loved me like why do you let this happen but i that's the thing i think i agree because it's it's often the small things but that's happening to you isn't it like if yeah. everybody else in the world at the same time was stepping on a piece of lego it might bother you a bit less yeah yeah true because it feels like a sentence but yeah. you know what i mean yeah it feels like you know, I'm especially being, mm. you know, portioned out for the wrath of the Lego. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose mm. I think what I've just shown is I didn't really listen to your answer. Like it is whenever it's all about me, yeah. that's whenever I question God's love. I don't often look at mm. those bigger circumstances. And, and think I, I, mean, I do think as we've been going through COVID, probably a lot of us have been asking why, but it's been a, been a more general sort of corporate why, isn't it? Why yeah. is this happening? Yeah. Maybe why is this happening to our generation? Yeah. But at least we've had the consolation in some ways that people have been going through it with us. We're all in it together. I guess if you're someone who's been really ill through COVID or you've lost a loved one, then that's a good example, isn't it? Of Well, Lord, if I'm one of your people, why has that happened to me? Yeah. I suppose particularly with long COVID and stuff like that, that's when, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's when we need to be mindful as a church whenever we're like, we just want to get back to normal. Mm. Like there's people whose lives will never, like, aren't the same anymore because of this i think it's also important to say i didn't get a chance to develop it a lot on sunday can i take a 30 seconds here yeah um you're (laughs) my boss yeah yeah but he was looking at me then so don't take too long on this but um oh man i've forgotten the point oh dear that hasn't happened on a podcast before where was i going with that i took a drink and i gave up my nose Uh, (laughs) oh don't worry oh yes i I remember the point so that to doubt in the christian life is quite common when things are hard, that often happens to us. And, and doubting, we've talked about it before, isn't necessarily sin. It's not necessarily lack of faith. Doubt isn't something that a doubt pops into our head. Why is this happening to me, Lord? It's when we don't address those doubts, talk yeah. them through with the Lord, talk them through with each other. Over time, they can harden up then into cynicism, which yeah. is more dangerous. There's there's a bit of a difference between doubt yeah. and the cynicism and apathy that we see in Malachi. Yeah, because you, you see that in the Psalms and stuff, don't you? Like, how long, oh Lord? Like, that's... Yeah, that's not a bad thing to say, but no, it's exactly. the and you're asking the right person, aren't you? You're, yeah. not, you're not cutting yourself off from God. You're talking to God about it. Yeah, like I've thought several times during this podcast, like Lord, why do these trains keep coming back? Do you know what? I don't know what this is going to sound like, but this has felt like absolute chaos. To yeah, <laughs> I hope you're getting something out of this, guys. Listening to this one today, bear with us. We're, we're rusty. Well, yeah, last one. I certainly am. Last, I definitely am. Like, um, last one. So election mm. god's choosing love is often something that makes us a wee bit squeamish yeah as christians why as a pastor do you find this comforting humbling like why why is this in the bible like why is this what god's gone to his people with yeah well, I, I certainly wouldn't lead with this this no, there's there's certainly we can give answers to that of course when you're saying the why we can't we've got to say up front we can't completely understand this this is there's something mysterious about the sovereignty of god and it's a massive topic as well as a mysterious one but it's it's a topic i think is quite clear and obvious in scripture you can't get away from god 
being a sovereign God who 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 elects, who chooses, who calls people. It's a bit. It's being described like bedrock in the Bible. You know, bedrock is something that's there all the time. Yeah. It only crops up from place to place, so you don't see it directly, but you but you know it's always there. Um, this teaching that those who are um, saved by faith can look back and can know that ultimately they've come to faith because God saw them, loved them, chose them before the foundation of the world and then changed their hearts and brought them to faith. That's something I think you consistently see through scripture and that that's happened not because of anything special in us that God has seen, but simply because God in his mercy has loved us before the foundation of the world. Now, there are things about that that I might find hard to understand and wrestle with, but I find it hugely comforting ultimately because it reminds God's people that Jesus will build his church and he has people he is going to save and the gates of hell cannot prevail against that purpose. I, you know, I think it's really important to say when you see this teaching of God's sovereign choosing of his people, it's always addressed to his people. Yeah. It's not, we're not meant to go out and preach the gospel to the world and talk about God's sovereign choice and his election all the time. It's something that God teaches his people about who've already come to faith mm. to comfort them and to strengthen them and to reassure them to say look i've got you you, you ultimately believe because i chose you mm. and it's, so it's a reassurance for god's people it's not something that's meant to cause doubt and worry and for us to wrestle with it in the wrong way um and it's to clarify it's not the god this is why it's important and why it's comforting for me it's not that god wants people to be saved and it's hoping for the best and that some people are going to be saved, but it's ultimately down to them. No, I'm called to believe. I must exercise true trust in Jesus, but ultimately, ultimately, my salvation is down to him. My salvation and forgiveness, start to finish, is of him, not me, which is how I can know that I that I will persevere to the end. You know, I, I haven't got it in me to persevere to the end, but this reassures me that ultimately, yes, I've got to keep trusting, but ultimately he will keep me. And that's both hugely reassuring and also humbling. I, you know, I don't believe in Jesus because I'm better or more spiritual than some people. And I, I sussed it out. Mm. I was spiritually sensitive enough to get it. No, I believe by the sovereign grace of God and it's all of him. And that's why this subject of election, yeah, it's hard to wrestle with. We can't understand everything about it, but it's, it's massively comforting. Yeah, it's one of those interesting ones as well. Whenever, whenever I was like 16 or 17 at camps and stuff like that, you know, it's often the question that whenever you're a melting teenager like I was, you throw that to the, your leader to yeah. stump them. Yeah. And like, you know, in some ways, whenever you're immature, yeah, whenever I was immature, you're just like, oh, this is just so unfair, blah, blah, blah. Like, it becomes a bit too much for my brain to handle and now like whenever i read it susan like what paul does in romans like whenever he thinks about this stuff he just says like lord i can't understand you like yeah. your ways are majestic i can't believe you're choosing me yeah i suppose that is the heart condition that you want isn't it not mm. shaking your fist at god like this is so unfair but rather yeah. good grief this is unbelievable yeah. and why is the teaching there and where why does it appear when it does and it, it's for reassurance yeah uh, yeah it's not like a I chose you. Like, come on, mm. get on my level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it it's a massive topic, and one we'll event inevitably come back to from time to time as we teach through books of the Bible. Yeah, theology Thursdays. Yeah, coming up. Yeah. Um. Yes, we need to start setting dates for that again. Don't yeah. we need to get that restarted. But watch this space. Yeah. Nice. We got to the end. Um. 
It was carnage, let's be honest. I'm a bit scared to listen back to this one, to be honest, Dave. But You, you uh, listen back? I'm sure there'll be nuggets in it that um, people could benefit from. I could not listen to the, my own horrible voice. Like, <laughs> play it oh, I listen back to it every week. I have a good old laugh, usually. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, that's us. Um, I'm going on holiday tomorrow, so I'm buzzing. Oh, nice. Enjoy. It's in, it's in our diary. Which... Is it just, just a day, or is this the whole week? Or uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So oh, Okay. Uh, Fine. We'll be back next week, huh? <laughs> for the for the pod. See you then, and yeah. see you on Sunday. Bye bye.